Great, we're set up. Can everyone hear? Can everyone see? Great, good. Well, we're looking at um, simply good news, no other gospel. And uh, I thought the best thing to do was actually just look at the gospel because I don't think I or anyone else can better what God says and the way he says it. So, um, but I'm going to put this into two parts. First of all, I want to watch a clip of something and uh, have a little bit of thought time around that, a little bit of discussion, and then we'll just open it up a little bit more than that. But I guess singing those songs, the gospel is no work too hard for him. <laughs> no work too hard for him. Great. So, this, who's heard of the Sunday Assembly? It's a movement. Okay. I've got a clip of it. Um, this is called the Sunday, a Sunday Assembly Experience. It's part of their website to say this is what Sunday Assembly is all right. So I just want to watch this. It's a nearly, it's about just over a minute. And then I'm going to ask a few questions about it. Okay, so enjoy the clip. Thank you. Good. Um, Colin, can I have uh, number two of the PowerPoint slide, please? The one with the motto and things on. Okay, so the Sunday Assembly, if you don't know, it's a global movement. It was started only a few years ago. It's, it's going all over the place. And uh, this is their motto. To live better, to provide inspiring, thought-provoking, practical ideas to help people to live the lives they want to lead, be the people they want to be. To help often be communities of action, building lives of purpose, encouraging all to help anyone who needs it to support each other. And to wonder more, hearing talks, singing as one, listening to readings and even playing games to help connect with each other and the awesome world in which we live. Okay, so a couple of minutes. Oh, a question. Two questions. Slide one, please, Colin. What is it that might, make, make, might be making the Sunday Assembly experience so attractive to so many? And I know you haven't seen much about it, but just from what you've seen, okay? And secondly, from what you've seen, what is missing in terms of the gospel message? Okay? Go. Minute and a half.
Okay, that'll do. Anyone want to uh, shout anything out that you've thought? Anything will do. There's no rights or wrong answers. And please, I'm not knocking the Sunday assembly. I'm really not. Okay, it's just for observation. Belonging. 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 You don't think it's part of that necessarily. Or oh, the gospel. Oh, first question. All right. What is it? Okay. What's attractive? Belonging. Thank you. Yes. Good. Belonging. Great. Yeah. Any other things? Fellowship. Fellowship. Okay. Happy. Yeah. Okay. Laughter. Yeah. Great. Group. Yeah. Sort of sense of community. That sort of thing. Yeah. Belonging. Learning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll come on to that then. Okay, thank you. Okay, number two. What do you think might be missing from what you've seen? I know it's very limited, and as I say, I'm not knocking it. God? Okay. There is no gospel. No good news. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Redemption? Okay. Okay. All right. It's just interesting because. It was started a few years ago by a couple of guys going down to Bath, they were comedians, going to do a gig, and they just thought, where's church for the non-Christian? Where's church for the person who doesn't believe in God? And they just started this group, and it's gone all over the place. So there there are meetings in uh, the UK, there's one in Bristol, actually, there's several cities in the UK that have them, Australia, Germany, Ireland, Netherlands, New Zealand, United States, it's kind of taking off. Um... If you look at the Bristol Sunday Assembly website, you'll see that there are ten statements to explain what it's about. And the first one is, a 100% celebration of life. We're born from nothing and go to nothing. Let's enjoy it together. There is no doctrine, no deity. (laughs) It's just interesting. And as I say, I'm not trying to knock it. But what I'm saying is, what is the gospel then? Because I first saw that and I thought, that's like church. And it quite shocked me. What's the difference? So what is special? What should be special about what we believe and what what we do and who we are? Okay. So, in brief, today I want to look at what is this good news? The gospel means good news. What do we believe? Is our faith anchored in truth and reality? Are we afraid of the doubts we might have? And are we as a church true to God? So I wanted, uh, I've been all over the place with this, so excuse me, I hope it comes out as a kind of flow, but I thought we'll try and ground it in some scripture, and I thought perhaps 1 Corinthians 15 is a good place, if you've got a Bible, do look at that. Um, But I'm going to read out this section. So this is from Paul of Tarsus. If you know his story, he was converted. He was a very religious person. God met him. His world fell apart. God rebuilt it again. And he travelled thousands of miles risking his life for this gospel. And he wrote letters to Christians, the new communities of faith at the time, churches throughout the world, the known world at the time. And this is the letter to the church in Corinth, which is in Greece. 1 Corinthians 15, first eight verses. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. 
if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. This is his summary of the gospel. It's a bit like the creed we did, and I'm so glad we spoke a creed, and it was nice, thanks Mark, for making it the kind of all-age friendly. I love the creed. (laughs) It's so important to remember What is this truth that we have given our whole lives to? So I want to pick out a few points from what we've just read. Verse 1, which you received and on which you take your stand. Take your stand. I'm not moving from this place. This is safe. This is secure. This is foundational. This gospel. This that we believe. And by this gospel, you are saved. Are you saved? Am I saved? What is being saved? And I find, I suppose it's because I've been around longer, that these words lose their meaning. What does it mean to be saved? Well, Paul wrote other letters. One was to Thessalonians, and he says this. God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him. He sells us where? People everywhere speak of how you as a church are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. Jesus, who God raised from the dead, he's the one who has rescued us from the terrors of coming judgment. And in Romans it says, again a letter from Paul, you see, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, since we've now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's anger through Christ? Saved from God's anger? What's that all about? We don't talk like that much because it's not comfortable. And I suppose I just want to be biblical. I don't want to ditch it. And I don't want to try and explain it at the moment, but I hope by the end we might see what that's about. I recently heard someone put it like this. There's a problem. God is good. That's a real problem because you're not. And I'm not. It's a real problem. The amazing thing is, it's not just my problem or your problem, it's God's problem. And God did something about it. That's the gospel. God did something about the problem. 
The problem is that he is awesomely good and pure and wonderful and glorious and loving and all those words we were kind of starting to throw out before we sung the first song. He is wonderful. And everything he's made is in perfect order and works magnificently down to microbiology to universe. It's in perfect balance. It's wonderful. It's created that way. And if you disturb that, it creates chaos and disorder. And God's purity has to stand. So he had a problem It's us. He made us to be in relationship with him. And we messed it. Well, I don't know about you, I messed it. I didn't want what he wanted. I wanted to do it my way. I was trying to think of stories. Uh, Got two two lads. They're big lads now. And um, one of them, he never did become a scientist or a physicist or an engineer, because, well, maybe not because, but when he was three, I think it was, he thought he'd conduct an experiment. What would happen if you hit a fish tank with a hammer? (laughs) Um, It was quite a good experiment. The answer was fairly Um, (laughs) self-evident. The result was chaos, uh, glass on the floor, water on the carpet, a flapping fish with no air, um, and a rather upset parent. (laughs) Naughty boy was the reaction. Um, Did we love him? Of course we did. Did we pay for it to be put right? (laughs) Of course we did. (laughs) God loves us, even when we mess up, because he's our father. He wants to be our father and he invites us back after he's done the repair. So this word sin comes up. He's forgiven us our sins. What is sin? Oh dear, I... mm. (laughs) I realise that I find it very easy to define sin as things we do wrong. And I find in even doing that, I'm judging others, which is sin. So it's about motivation, isn't it? It's about the why. It's not just about what is done. It's about why we do it. Tim Keller says this, sin isn't only doing bad things. It's more fundamentally making good things into ultimate things. Sin is building your life and meaning on anything, even a very good thing, more than on God. That's quite good. It's wrong worship. It's where, well, I don't know, yes, I I won't expand on it. I think you can think about that. It's where our object, our recognition of where life and peace and goodness comes from. And by thinking that I've got the answer, I'm stepping right into the trap of being the sinner, which is why I need constant forgiveness. (laughs) It's so easy to be critical of others 
But the very fact I'm being critical is breaking a commandment not to love people. It's quite sobering, isn't it? Actually, Malcolm Duncan said this, one of the most off-putting witnesses to the wider world is an arrogant, vitriolic and angry Christian. He's got the answer for everything, quick to point the finger. And it's easy to be Christian in my views but behave in an unchristlike way. That's sobering, isn't it? <laughs> oh God, forgive us and may we be true to the real gospel. So, Paul says, what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Now, I've been trying so hard this week to understand the cross and the atonement, and I'm standing here at the front preaching, and I'm saying, do you know what? I can't get my head around it. I cannot understand how it is that God has done such an amazing thing. I, I just can't perceive it. But I know it's true. <laughs> if it wasn't for Jesus, you and I would have no hope of being restored into relationship with God. That's the fact of it. But he's done it. He's solved the problem and ours is the choice as to whether to take that or not. Hmm. So again, in 1 Corinthians he says, And he was buried, he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Jesus is risen. So this problem God had was so tough that God sent the most precious thing in his heart to become a human into our mess. And he still lived a perfect life, absolutely. And then he said, I'll take the mess that all these people around with are polluted with. I'll take it, Jesus said. I'll take it. And he did. I don't understand how that can be. But that's what he did. And God then raised him from the dead as if to say, well done! It's finished! All the rubbish dealt with. All the separation from God dealt with. All the messed up creation dealt with. What a gospel is that. I went, uh, the Easter, a couple of years ago, I went to the uh, cathedral and they sang this hymn. It's all these and thous. I wanted to sing it, but we won't. But I love this. It says, Jesus lives, thy terrors now can, O death, no more appall us. Jesus lives, by this we know, thou, O grave, canst not enthrall us. Hallelujah! <laughs> there is no other gospel. Nothing else can reconcile us with the, the, the being that made us. Nothing! Hmm. 
Martin Luther said he'd spend eternity trying to understand just two words in the New Testament. Do you know what they were? Our Father. Our Father. Augustine of Hippo, he lived in the first century, he said this, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him is the greatest adventure. To find him the greatest human achievement. And more provocatively, C.S. Lewis, we all love C.S. Lewis, don't we? He says this, there are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. Those that are in hell, choose it. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. To those who knock, it is opened. That's C.S. Lewis. Hmm. I find it scary and sobering and wonderful and releasing. Scaring and sobering because I think, what about those I know? (laughs) But when I go and find solace in God, then all is well. (laughs) I've been doing a bit of DIY at home, as always. I put the workbench in the garden about a week ago and uh, it was lovely. It was warm, it was bright and uh, I needed to cut some stuff. And I thought, great, I'll do that. So I put the workbench up and I went in to get the bits and I came out. About, it was only about 20 minutes later and I thought, whoa, clouds were building up like big. A storm was brewing. And uh, I very quickly packed everything away again, hadn't used it, (laughs) straight in the shed, and before I got in the shed, it started to rain, and we had a thunderstorm. I don't know if you remember, a week or so ago, tremendous thunderstorm, dog barked, all that stuff, amazing. And about an hour later, it cleared up. But it really spoke to me that things can change very quickly, (laughs) very quickly. Just when you think it's warm and easy, thunderstorms can brew. And there are four people known to me in the last week who've had heart attacks. One fatal. Think, God, in their 50s, most of them. We don't know, do we? Our neighbour was one of them. He survived, thankfully, but it was tough. His wife came over to see us yesterday. We had a lovely chat with her. She said, I think God was with us. Not Christians. Because it was miraculous how... He just happened to be in the right place, the right, the right person was passing when he was barely conscious and helped him and all these things. I think, yeah, God was with you. <laughs> we had a great chat, actually. So I want to sort of draw things together with three points. I suppose the first is that I think there's a real urgency to be biblical and to be scriptural. I find scripture difficult. I don't know about you. Some parts of the Bible I find really difficult. I think it's really interesting, though, that Jesus never 
criticised God or the Old Testament. And we can critique the Bible, but will we let the Bible critique us? I think we have to be very careful how we do that. So I'd love us to be more and more biblically literate and struggle and grapple with the bits that we don't understand. Um. Malcolm Duncan, actually, he's the minister at Gold Hill, he says this, I suggest in this generation we need a generation of men and women who will once again cry, Scripture alone, and help people pick up their Bible and let the truth shape their lives. I totally agree. (laughs) Scripture alone. And if you read Malcolm Duncan's life, it's not been easy. He has the right to talk. I respect that. The second thing I want to say is, do you know God as your father? Personally? And it's all right to doubt. Do you know that? In fact, when Jesus was raised again and glory was just magnificent, Jesus was raised to heaven. Can you imagine what that was like? But there were two guys walking along and they didn't understand and they were doubting. And Jesus appeared to them and it says, their eyes were withholden from them. And the word used is a really strong, it's like mighty action, stopped them from seeing who he really was. Wasn't that the grace of God? that the risen Christ didn't suddenly appear and blast them to smithereens. But no, he came as a human and said, what are you talking about? What's your issues? What are you struggling with? Tell me about it. And he carried on walking with them. This is the risen Christ. Carried on walking with them, had a meal with them and said, okay. And then it says, their eyes were opened. And they were aghast. This is Jesus. If you've got doubts, tell him about them. (laughs) Tell God about them. Wrestle with them. Don't deny them. That's what I would say. God is such a good father, he will draw alongside you. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I don't know this person, but apparently there was a 19th century politician and diplomat called Charles Francis Adams who kept a diary. One day he entered this. Went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke, also kept a diary, which is still in existence. On the same day, Brooke Adams made this entry. Went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. It's not ironic that we have a father who'd love to go fishing with us. And we're often the ones who say, what a waste of time. So thirdly, my final point is this. Paul started that section in this letter by saying, what I received, I gave to you. He says it twice. 
And I was talking to John Woolnow last week because he's so good at sharing good news with people. And I said, how do you do it, John? What motivates you? What, how do you do it? Why do you find it so easy? He said, I'll never forget, years and years and years and years ago, that I had a kind of picture of what it was like. He said, when I see people, I imagine them before God. And they stand, one or another side of a line. Whether they're on God's side or the other, the question I ask myself is this. Did I warn them? Have they arrived at this place before God, knowing that I, John, hadn't told them it would be like this? (laughs) And out of sheer love and grace, he's such a good sharer of good news. (laughs) Isn't that great? Good old John. Over 80, still going strong. So I want to leave that with you, actually. And my prayer in this is because I I struggle with sharing with other people. I really do. Chris keeps saying, stop being so intense. People will come. And it's amazing in the last week, people have been coming and just conversations have been happening. So I thank God for that. (laughs) It's part of our grooves thing, isn't it? Look for open doors of opportunity. Use our 100 hours a week. Become expectantly prayerful. Yeah. It's good. So my prayer is that actually God will so get a hold of me and us and make us that community of people that has a gospel that is far more wonderful than a Sunday assembly, that speaks into eternity and the good of soul and life that's for the now as well as the hereafter because we've got such an amazing gospel. And I think sometimes we need to remember it and remind ourselves of how wonderful it is because it was God's invention, not ours. It's too wonderful for us to invent it. Amen. I thought we'd finish this bit by just saying the Lord's Prayer together. It's all right. Because I find I need forgiveness. But he gives it. Hallelujah. Shall we do that? Shall we stand and say the Lord's Prayer together? I've projected it so we all say the same version. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those that sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the